I'm now wanting to get a good night's sleep because we've got the biggest game in my life and all of a sudden my phone started pinging a bit more than normal. You know, I was being sort of targeted by the press. I've got the biggest game of my life tomorrow for my country and you're trying to dig something on me the night before. I was livid. You're listening to England Rugby Untold, the 2003 Rugby World Cup. Hi, I'm Jason Robinson, former England and Sail Sharks wing and fullback, and I won the World Cup in 2003. I think if I was to describe myself as a player, I would say exciting. I used everything I had, my quick feet, my explosive power, and I just wanted to have fun. And I, one of the key things for me was to get people off their seats and get excited about the game. The key thing for me was about two metres before I got to the opposition, that's where I earned my money. Because it's all about body movement. It's all about positioning. It's all about who's in front of you. How big are they? How quick are they? You know, what's the reaction times like? How can I get them off balance? So in this short period of space, my mind is going 10 to this. It's almost like a computer, like sensing where people are, wrong position, and uh, obviously conditions and everything else. And it's in that space that I earn my money. It's hard sometimes because some people guess. Some people think, well, I haven't got a clue where he's going, so I'm just going to guess. And that's why the quick footwork, the explosive power is so important. Because then if they do try and guess, then you have the speed and the power to be able to go in the opposite direction and leave them for dead. Terrific ball back inside to Robinson. Now that was dancing at its absolute best and that's what Robinson can do. Now Robinson goes to the corner. Oh, this is a fairy tale. Jason Robinson. I made the switch to Rugby Union. And it was partly because of Clive Woodward selling me a dream about a World Cup that was going to happen in 2003. Now, I'd been professional because of my background in rugby league for 10 years prior. Wigan Rugby League, one of the best teams in the world. And when I came to Rugby Union, I didn't realise how much more I could learn, if I'm honest, until I got into the camp with England. And so Clive Woodward started to put all these things together. We had the best coaches, line-out coach, kicking coach, backs coach, forwards coach, nutritionist, like I coach. It was unbelievable. And the preparation before we got to the World Cup was phenomenal. It's the hardest I've ever worked for anything. We worked so hard. Players being sick all over the place, just sweat pouring out of us, doing it intense where it was intense. And, and it not only worked on your um, the, the, the physical strengths, but also the mental, um, because we're working together as a team. We're all feeding off each other. And we just didn't want to let each other down. We didn't want to let the team down. So the build-up to that was, was, was just phenomenal. And we did go into that World Cup as the best-prepared team. And we went into the World Cup off the back of some really good momentum in some of the games. I think the key, two key games stand out for me was going over to New Zealand and beat New Zealand. We went down to 13 men. 
And then the following week, we went to Australia and beat them. And from that moment, I think we all thought, right, we can beat any team now, any time, any place, anywhere. And we went into that World Cup and we just had a team that was battle-hardened. We had a team that was smart. We had a, a real mixture of season campaigners, you know, your Martin Johnsons, your Jason Leonard's. It was the final swan song for quite a few people. England have won in New Zealand 2003. And make no mistake, this will be more than just a page in the history books. This is a chapter. And every one of these England players will love to read it in the years to come. What a victory that is. It is a wonderful moment for English rugby. I suppose when you're in camp, you, you, you'd spend a lot of time with, with everybody. I mean, we're in and out of each other's pockets. You know, you might be, you might be one group going and playing on the PlayStation just in your time off or a coffee group. I always remember playing um, a lot of cribbage, the old card game cribbage with Trevor Woodman and Phil Vickery. And we used to sit. In the afternoon, Rose, remember, just sat round and we'd have a pot of tea and we'd have the cribbage board out. And we're just playing this old, old, old school game of cards. And you know something? It was brilliant. It's always good as well when your, your mates are the, the, the forwards. Because, you know, if he kicks off in a game, you know, they've always got your back. But uh, I was kind of bullied a lot, I think, just going, getting cakes and stuff for Phil Vicker in. <laughs> Trevor wouldn't. We didn't really mix too much with the Australian public. I think in their minds, it'd be a tough game, but Australia would win. Australia normally wins stuff. You know, rugby, cricket, they, they win stuff because they're just a really competitive nation and have done well in so many different sports. But we, we were almost in a bubble because there were so many fans out there. We were almost in a fishbowl. It seemed like we're at the zoo and we were the animals. Because I always remember, if you wanted to go and get your hair cut, I always remember we used to have to go out the back door and just start running. And you had to keep running until you got to the, the, like the barbers because if you went out the front and you stopped once, that was it. And it was a testament to the support that we had throughout Australia because it, it was phenomenal. I've never known support like it. Just so many people over the other side of the world with England shirts on. And you just thought, wow, very privileged to be in this position. You mentioned before that there's probably a 60-40 split, but what the Australians have learned is they were taught by this English crowd on how to cheer. And it's going to be up in the terraces where we'll hear the chants coming. The big question is, will the 60% of the Aussies be able to drown out that loud 40% of the English? When you go to Australia, you realise you're not just playing against... The Australian team, you're playing against the Australian media and everything else that goes with it. And we were we were targeted, I think, because we were a threat. I think there was all sorts going on, stuff in the press around voodoo dolls and Johnny and, and like trying to put Muffy's kick in, Dad's army. I think at one point, we're, I think there's some reference to us being the White Orcs players the too old for this and the too old for that and it was just usual stuff just trying to get under the skin of the players and the great thing about the team we had there is nobody was bothered write whatever you want do whatever you want and uh you know 
we know why you're doing it and uh, it's going to make us more determined. The night before the game, I'm preparing for a game and as you do as a player, you've done everything on the pitch, you've gone through all your notes, you know, what you should be doing, your opposition, everything else. And the night before the game is, is massive. There's so much pressure. I'm now wanting to get a good night's sleep because we've got the biggest game in my life the following day. And all of a sudden, my phone started pinging a bit more than normal. You know, I was being sort of targeted by the press. And they were trying to dig up stories um, about me and about my past. And they were on the doorsteps taking pictures of my kids. And I was fuming. I've got the biggest game of my life tomorrow for my country and you're trying to dig something on me the night before because it was like that intrusive like on the doorstep looking through that boxes like I was I was livid and I had the worst worst night's sleep ever when I ended up scoring that try and I punched the ball and that was an explosion of of emotion all that pressure all that anger came out in that punching of the ball. Lions trying to come away with it, but then they go. Now the big wide kick, they're loaded to Carey. Jason Robinson against to Carey, and to Carey wins it. It was a clever move to Carey. Is all of six foot three. The man he was up against is Jason Robinson, five foot eight, and the kick was perfect. So in that game, I mean, we're talking five minutes. They have a scrum, I don't know, around about the 22 mark. From the scrum, they do a crossfield kick. And to be fair to them, it was on the money. Dikiri came in, he had the momentum. He's tall anyway, but that doesn't bother me. People always say, um, well, it's because he's small. It's, it's a load of nonsense. If you look at me as a fullback and how many balls I took, I would be up there with the best in the world. Very rare that I didn't catch a ball but with everything, it's all about momentum. In sport, it's not all always about the, 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 the ability. It's about the mentality. And for me, it was a case of, right, don't dwell on that. Get back into the game. For, so for the next five minutes or so, there was a lot of self-talk. Get your hands on the ball, do a good run, do a good kick, make a tackle. Because the longer you are out of the game after that, or you don't touch it, the more these things can come in and try and affect you mentally. So straight away, I was just trying to get mounting the ball and do something. And then within no time, I, you kind of forget that. And then, you know, you know, in games, you're not always guaranteed an opportunity, um, a, a try scoring opportunity. And then it just came. I always remember Lawrence Delalio just making that half break. I, I can just play it and now. The chance here, men over. Delalio gets it inside. Wilkinson gets it outside to Robinson. Robinson in for the try in the corner. Lawrence Delalio making that half break back in side to Johnny Wilkinson. And at that point, we had we had, we trained for this all the time with having support players off his shoulder. But we create Lawrence would create a. Uh, a situation there where Johnny was on his inside and at that point if you freeze frame it you've got Ben Cohen on his right and me on his left and that's what you want when you you know when you get behind the line 
And because Johnny Wilkinson caught it from his left, he could see that I was in his eye line. Had Johnny passed to Ben Cohen, he'd have been, there was no one there. He'd have gone straight under the, uh, under the sticks. And everybody said, well, why didn't he pass it you know, to Ben Cohen? I said, well, he wanted to make sure. So he passed it to me on the outside. And it was a foot race over 20 metres. And I, listen, I, there's no way I wasn't scoring that try. My little legs are going like the clappers. Well, in the end, he had a choice. There was men inside and outside. And there's a man on Wilkinson's right, but he goes to Robinson because he knows of all the men in his team, he will finish it off every time. One of the things I remember from that game, it was just peeing it down. So what I didn't want to do is, you know, have, have any reason for them to come in with an arm to knock the ball. So I thought, listen, it's, it's wet, go in, go low, go early. And I slid over and then again, but... Come on, what, what a moment. For us, it was all about process. The, all the preparation, everything else, was, was just part of the bigger picture. But we, we had to get to a place whereby we weren't, it wasn't always prescriptive. We had so many things in our mind. We'd gone through so many plays. We knew them inside out, moves, calls. I remember having a booklet because everything was written down. We had a booklet about that thick, and they had every, every call on it. If, a, if a, a leaf blew onto the field, there would be a call for it, like, it, honest. But we had to get all this information in and then pull it out as and when needed. But when you came to a game, it was all in there to bring out at certain points. So you had, for me, you have to go off instinct. You can't be too prescriptive. You can't just say, right, in two minutes' time, I'm going to do... So, no, it's like, deal with this now. Do I run? Do I kick? Do I, you know, what decisions do I make? And, but because we had... Because our prep was so good, it was, just, uh, it was just an inbuilt computer. But then using that natural instinct just to play. You've got to play what you see. You know? And I look back at the ga- some of the games and some of the stuff, and I think, that was average. You know, some of the passes that went astray and some of the things we did... And, it, and if I'm honest, it certainly wasn't our best game as an England team. We were playing our best rugby, I think, in 2002. But what we had done is we'd found ways to win. 25 seconds to go. This is the one. It's coming back for Johnny Wilkinson. He drops for World Cup glory. Yes! It's over. He's done it. Johnny Wilkinson is England's hero yet again. And there's no time. What happened there was, was four years in the making. We'd rehearsed that situation for four years. Every training session, we used to rehearse that. So all of a sudden, Matt Dawson has gone to the breakdown. With 90 seconds left in the game. He's put the dummy, gone straight up the middle. Now, for me, Dawson's gone. I need to get with him. And he was unable to get a pass away. So I then was one of the first to the breakdown. We secure the ball and then it was pre-programmed DG routine. We're now going to inch closer to the sticks. And we do that a couple of times. And then all of a sudden, when, the, when it's right, Johnny Wilkinson will call for it. He calls for it. And I remember at the time, I look back and I kind of got caught in two minds because I was like, I wasn't in and I was turned around to Johnny and I was like, I didn't want to get in the way, but I was actually doing nothing at that point. <laughs> I wasn't blocking. I was just looking at Johnny. And uh, the ball goes to Johnny. And if you're ever going to be in a position like that and you need somebody to knock over that ball, it's Johnny Wilkinson. 
and he did that. And you could see there was a moment, even Johnny, like, started jumping up like this. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden, it was a case of, it's not finished yet. Right, everybody get back. And we all scrambled back. And for the first time in that game, we weren't in the right positions. Trevor Woodman was in the wrong position. He was on the 10, right in front of the kicker, and he shouldn't have been there. It's funny because all these things that we're doing, and sometimes you joke about them in training, because forwards aren't supposed to sidestep, forwards aren't supposed to catch balls. But every now and again, they'd get themselves into positions where they'd do it. They'd, they'd watch the backs do it and think, oh, I can do that. But Trevor Woodman is on the 10, the ball gets kicked up, and he gets off, he gets off the floor to catch the ball, secures the ball, which, you know, was massive because the, 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 the pressure's on getting that ball. We secure the ball, and I think the ball goes back to Catty. Catty, like, kicks the ball into Melbourne. And then, all of a sudden, the whistle goes, and we've won, and you can just see, like, I remember hugging um, Lawrence Delalio, jumping on the back of Will Greenwood and Johnny, and, and like, everybody is going absolute nuts. And it, and it starts to, to sink in that we, we've won. And all that hard work, all the sweat, blood, tears and everything else, boy, was it worth it. And just, just to have that moment, scoring a try was great. Getting that kick, you know, with Johnny was great. But the, the, the real celebration, the best feeling of all was doing it with a, with a group of people that had put so much into it that was never going to let you down. And, you know, until the day we die, we can look at each other and think, yeah, we achieved the ultimate goal in World Rugby, the first Northern Hemisphere team to win the Rugby World Cup final. And we did it in style. Yeah, I think after the game, it was, it was really special because it was our time. You know, we'd won the game and, you know, been out and everybody's celebrating on the pitch. But when you get into the changing room, it's just you. It's the team. It's the backroom staff. You know, there's so much credit that give, gets given to the players. But the reality is, it was a team within a team. And I look at the physios and the nutritionists and the doctors and, you know, the, the S&C coaches and, like, everybody had put in the kit man and it was just our moment you got Prince Harry you know you got Royals come in and they just wanted to be part of it and it was just that moment where we could all just grab a beer and just look at each other and just think wow because after we had had that time together about an hour in the changing rooms as soon as we go out things were going to be different and we never realised just how different until we probably got back home and None of our lives have been the same since because winning the World Cup was by far the best thing any of us have ever done. To go there as favourites was one thing. To come back having created history was another. Well, the sea of flags behind us here in Trafalgar Square, uh, you just can't see any tarmac anywhere tremendous i've never seen anything quite like this absolutely <laughs> some, some have been waiting for hours and and this is this is their moment magic, magic moment. i think when we got back there were just so many things that 
I mean, just I probably just blew our minds. I'm a council kid, and I didn't even know anything about rugby union. I'd only been in rugby union a couple of years. All of a sudden, I've you know I've helped England win a World Cup, parading round. I remember going down Piccadilly and just seeing these huge on the side of buildings, like huge. Poster. I mean, the st- I can't tell you how big they were of me sliding in for a try. And, and for me, and for us all, just like, I don't know, it was just, it was just surreal. You realise it's big at the time, but there's never, there's never a day that goes past now, 20 years on, where somebody doesn't come to me and say, I remember, and tells me their story. And this is what's great about the game. We're doing it because we love it. You know, we've done it since we were young. We're doing it. We've got our mates. We're doing it for our country. But then people start to tell you where they were, what it meant to them, how they were feeling. I was in the pub at 10 pints deep. I just had breakfast. I stood on a table. You scored. It fell off the table. Bang my head. Look at the stick. You know, they tell you all these stories of where they were. And and it, and it it's memories for, it's for life. You know, and I, I think that has been the, the thing that has carried this on now you know, for the last 20 years is that so many other people remember it and it's affected them and, and, and it's just given them a moment in sporting history that they can cling on to. It's like they've won it. I think that's what makes, you know, the game so special. Just make sure they don't give away a penalty. Clear to touch. You don't care where it goes. Touch for it in. England have won. Everybody wanted to celebrate, which was great. But we were back into club rugby the following week. And yes, we've won a World Cup. But how how more determined are people to try and put one over on us now as a World Cup winner? Or, you know, how many people wanted to run around me more now because I've just won the World Cup? I'm walking around the pitch at London Irish and everybody's, you know, fair players, away ground and everybody's going nuts. But we're straight back into it. We didn't have time to reflect on it. And we were caught. I think I think we should have all been given two weeks off, like with all the preparations and the time away and everything else. And it would have been nice if somebody said, right, there's two weeks off, just go, chill for a bit, take it all in. But no, we were back into it, back into training back in, on coaches, going down to games and, and having to perform. And it was, you know, no disrespect, but it was a real anticlimax from what we'd just achieved. We're 20 years on from our famous win. And this year will be the first year that we've all got back together as a group, ever. This is the best of the best. You can win Six Nations win a Grand Slam, you can win something in Europe, but it's a World Cup. There is no better place in rugby than being in a World Cup final with your mates, playing the sport that you love, and getting to the end of that game and looking around at your mates with those medals on, with the captain, with John O holding that trophy. And I think that's one of the great things. Sometimes we don't even have to say anything to each other we just need to look at each other and we know it's only when you finish that you realize just how many good memories you've got of a group of people 
um, you know, that you've, you've created history with. There's some really interesting characters within the team and some guys that you just think, yeah, if you're going to go into battle, I want it, I want it to be with you. There, there's a bond that we have that's not often said but always felt and will never be forgotten.